0: Do you struggle helping those going through tragedy? Check out this week's episode of the Unique on Purpose podcast. Thank you for joining me on episode 39 of the Unique on Purpose podcast, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. I am your host, Rachel Gentleman, just a regular gal trying to help people know that they are called to be victors in Christ Jesus. Brenda Seafield's life has been full of ups and downs, but what about the person trying to help that person going through the ups and downs? We all want to help, but sometimes we just don't know how. How do you respond? How do you act? What do you say? The audio is a little off on this episode, but I hope you find some practical ways that you can be that compassionate friend to someone going through tragedy today. Welcome back to the Unique on Purpose podcast. Rachel Gentlemen here with you. Brenda seafelt Amadea. I hope I said that right, Brenda. Did I say that correctly? Did. <laughs> okay, did. it's like a gift of a name. <laughs> and you live south of the Washington DC area, correct? I do. Yes. I love uh, I love Washington, D.C., so I'm very jealous about where you live. But you are a wife, a mom, you're a grandma. You have been in youth ministry for over 40 years. So you have such a wealth of knowledge when it comes to teenagers and, and kids. You raised four at risk boys. You're also the author of I Wish I Could Take Away Your Pain, which we're going to talk about a little bit more here later But your story, Brenda, is filled with heartache. And what I find fascinating is instead of writing a book telling your story, you wrote a book on how others should respond to those who are in pain. And I love that because it's something that we so desperately need. So many of us, even though we've gone through pain and we've had trials to overcome, I don't think we know how to respond to those that are in pain. So before you talk about the book, tell me what led to the book. I mean, go back. Who is Brenda and
1: what is her story? Thank you for getting, understanding the book because I love it. Um, and I love where I live too, by the way, so much. Well, um, yeah. 30 years I work with teenagers, you can say I've had my heart broken many times because i teenagers right they're in that volatile wonderful age and if they can come to learn about Jesus you know the true Jesus the Jesus that was with you through it all they can be Jesus all of their lives um, not a not the performance Jesus not um, you know checking out the list Jesus but that Jesus comes close to us in our pain mm-hmm. so that's, that's been my life. I will not change it. That's just me. Who am I? I think I found Jesus as a teenager. And I think that maybe that moment when I was 15 changed my life the most, where I have not backed away from the hard, brave decisions that have led to heartbreak. And
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know, I think being in the ministry for 40 years, working in churches for 40 years, is lots of heartbreak. Being a woman trying to work in churches has been lots of heartbreak. Mm-hmm. But I've just continued to make to make these decisions because I think I love Jesus more. I love the, love the possibility of what Jesus can offer more. And, of course, this this led to the raising of my boys. I have, mean, you know, pastored and momed many, many teenagers. But... In the early '90s, there was a group of boys, and that's a whole long, beautiful story. That God told me. God told me very clearly: these boys need more than a pastor. They need to be mommed. They need to have a mom.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And they have become my family. They love me. They they they. I got married. They were with me. They, we all married John together. And now they're grown they're all in all their forties and I've got six wonderful grandchildren that I never ever thought I would even have grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole other wonderful experience. But this is just um I have a you know, one of my life verses is Psalm thirty four eighteen where it says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, He rescues those whose whose spirits are crushed and I found that God has always remained close to me through all of this. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if it's because I made these brave choices to live brokenhearted that maybe this is why I found that God is close to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because I keep making these choices to you know, just live with a bigger, larger story God, because I believe in the potential that God gives our lives so much. That's my whole story, in a nutshell.
0: No, just to clarify, you had the boys as a single woman, and then you married your husband? Yes. Okay.
1: Yes. Right. but I didn't, I didn't have them in the home all the time because we were really working on reconciliation with their parents. hmm um, But over time, it just ended up, They just became mine.
0: Okay. All right. No, that's that's good to clarify. <laughs> Thank you. So your book... I wish I could take away your pain. How to be that compassionate friend. So, going through your story of pain, why did you choose to write a book for the other person?
1: The person that's. I need need these other people in my life. Mm -hmm. I could not be the person I am today without these people in my life. Mm -hmm. There's just no way.
0: Yeah. And I think it's uh, I I love the concept of the book. I think we should have more books like that. I I don't know how many times, even though I've gone through tragic moments, I don't know how many times I watch somebody else go through tragedy and think to myself, I have no clue what to say or to do at this moment. And you have a, a sentence in the book. It's You ask a really good question. You say, how can I trust people in this time when I don't even trust God. Can you expound on that question for me?
1: Yes. Uh, we all have trust issues with God. Yeah. As we've been up in the church that I is we're all a mix of fear and faith. But some, when something happens that smashes your heart, those trust, trust issues then are compounded. Mm. You know, we deal with those really hard questions like, why did God allow this to happen to me?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, those questions. And then... Sometimes there's shame involved in what happened, is what caused the pain. And then shame colors everything in our world. And sometimes our anger at God is really our shame that we're feeling. Mm, okay. But there are so many reasons why we have most issues with God. I can't, I mean, I only named a few, but there's so many. But we all do. I mean, I, I'm okay with that. We're all this mix of fear and faith. Let's go from there. But trust is evidence-based, and trust builds trust. Mm -hmm. So when someone sees my pain and doesn't leave me, they're helping me see that God is also trustworthy.
0: Okay, that's good.
1: So these people, they're fear in my life, and sometimes they're even temporary in my life, but they do stand out. Mm -hmm. Because people are also a part of our spiritual formation, and I don't... People are people and people have issues with people, but people are a part of our spiritual formation. Mm-hmm. I think that Dr. Henry Cloud has given me some, some he calls it ingredients for trust, to help me know who these people are. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to pass these on because these, these help me find the people. It's in the intent. I'll trust these people when I know that their motives are good. Mm-hmm. Their understanding, I'll trust when I feel someone understands me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Their character, their character reveals traits such as honesty, love, compassion, mercy, courage, and patience.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They have the capacity and ability to, um, they, I know they have the ability to handle what I what I have to say, to share. They, they have the capacity. They may look like these people are overcomers themselves.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They're not afraid of the hard things, too. They've had to, to you know, go through some smash-start seasons. I'm drawn to overcomers myself. And they have a track record where I know they're not going to gossip. They're not going to you know, turn my problem into their problem so they have a better identity. Just a track record like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are things I look for.
0: No, that's really good. And, and the Bible does say that we are to bear one another's burdens. And I think that's a, a really good question of how do I trust other people to bear my burdens if I'm really struggling with why I'm even going through what I'm going through. So I like that you stick that in the book. You also have a phrase in the book, and I think it is a reason why a lot of us fear when we're going through a hard time, we fear trusting other people. And your phrase is, the pain is too loud. What do you mean by that? The pain is too loud.
1: Um, so it's, interesting. it's interesting that we're drawn to Jesus because we have problems. And then we spend the next 40 plus years after joining a church trying to hide our problems. Mm. We just have no problem. That's just such a a problem.
0: Yeah, it's a good point, though. I never thought about it. But yeah, you're right.
1: Yeah. When our pain is too loud is why we want to hide our problems, because maybe because of the seat people's spaces. My daily life, because my boys are in their 40s now, involves um, two of my sons are in prison. They, you know, mm-hmm. made the decisions and I ended up there anyway. So one of my boys were in year 24 of, of prison.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But most people, I can't tell them this part of my daily life because there's that look of oh, my gosh, you know, or, or shock, or I don't know what to say, and that brings shame into the, into the conversation. Mm. And maybe people just don't know what to say. And yeah. I've, I've learned that I just can't, I can't share this with everybody, and I certainly don't want to overshare that. That's a whole other numbing behavior. Mm-hmm. But then eventually these people will steer clear of me Maybe because of their own shame and they, they just don't know what to say to something like this. Or they just even want this kind of reality to touch their life. There's, an, there's other issues going on or other pains or, you know, they're just surviving their own lives and they don't know how to handle someone whose daily life has to deal with inhumanity and the dehuman, dehumanization of prison mm-hmm. on the regular. Mm-hmm. So I don't blame them. Because the rule of my life is painful, and these are the choices I've made, and I'm doing it every year of prison with my boys because I love them. Mm-hmm. But not everybody gets to hear this part of my life. But yeah. it's going shape who I am. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you think that people, they struggle if they hear that, okay, your boys are in prison, and they don't know what to say? Do you think that there's a part of them that says your pain is too loud and it's not that you should be ashamed that your boys are in prison, but there's a fear there, I can't talk to you because I don't know what to say?
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I can, I, I can give grace for that because I don't want to be avoided. Mm-hmm. I, want, I don't want to be the one that comes in the room and go, oh, there she is, the one with boys in prison. <laughs> oh, right. I mean, I, I'm not ashamed of my identity, I, you know, this is just their choices, and I'm carrying them. You know, I'm carrying it with them. I've learned my faith is my identity is in Christ. You know, all this stuff, and I don't want them to have to avoid me because I've maybe been oversharing, or maybe this is a, my identity too much.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I want to have other identities in this, and, and I can also carry the identity that I'm a grandmother. You know, yeah, and that two of my two of my boys. Have made you know took the opportunity that they were given, and have made the right choices. Mm-hmm. But it's been you know, I mean, I've been with these boys for a long time. There's a long, there's long stories here. Mm-hmm. It's all it's all been hard. Right. But they're making the right choices, so that their children get to know about Jesus from day one. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, then let's take that and ask the question: What does someone do then? If a person comes to me and they're sharing with me their heartache whether it is my sons are in prison or I just lost my husband or I lost a child how do I as someone that's trying to be that compassionate friend respond I mean that's kind of a loaded question I understand you can't answer that in one sentence but <laughs> no,
1: but this is this is the book right this is, this is there there's three pages in the book that are about this that is worth the price of the book, or is worth even wanting to read a book. Mm-hmm. Um, but let me just kind of summarize that: is that you want to watch your behavior so that you are not removing yourself from my pain. Okay. This means that you're going to have to feel. Mm. If it, it, you know, it might have been, you might have been asking the question just as you're walking past, and then someone just decides you've got these five trustworthy characteristics that maybe they want to. Speak, especially in a church situation, they want to speak out, and then you have to have to stop and realize at this moment I need to breathe, and I need to feel this pain. Mm-hmm. And in this case, you, in that case of, of me, you to have to feel the frustration of something you may know, have never thought of before of realizing that the prison system is broken. Prison system during COVID was way worse to what it was to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to have to deal with that discomfort and t- cut top of your discomfort already, but you're just going to listen to the point that you feel the pain, mm-hmm. and then you can also be glad in that moment that you do get to go home and not have this be part of your daily life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But you were able to, for that moment, look at me, see me, and I felt hurt. Mm -hmm. And that is such a great gift.
0: So pretty much just being a good listener and allowing you the freedom to share.
1: Yes. Yes. Realizing it's going to cause you some pain. Mm -hmm. A lot of the things that we do, we remove ourselves from the situation. We kind of come at it like we're above it. Mm -hmm. And we'll say something like, oh, I'll pray for you. Oh. That's one of the worst things you can say, actually.
0: Yeah, why is that? Because, Tell me that.
1: Because you just removed yourself from my pain. Got it. You just, you just, I know you're uncomfortable already. I mean, I already have that awkwardness if I'm going to brave up and say these words. But then you just kind of offloaded it to God. Mm. No, I, I know I need prayer. That's why I'm to talk about it in church with my church relationships but you saying that you just offloaded it to God and you just took yourself out of the situation Mm. I call this a drive-by prayer Mm -hmm. I just got run over basically
2: Mm -hmm.
0: so and and obviously we do pray I mean we're obviously going to pray for that person but I see your point of you don't just say okay well I'm going to pray for you and box it up in a nice little container and then walk away there's that portion of listening and then I know just from my own personal experience of going through hard times, there are just specific things that you don't say. One of them, like you said, don't just say, "Well, I'll pray for you," and then that's it. But what are some other things that uh, we may we shouldn't really say to someone who's hurting?
1: Oh, yeah, these are all like platitudes, and I've 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 heard so many of them. God has this. Don't worry, Brenda. God has this. What does that mean? Yeah. I've got 24 years of waiting for prison. God has this? hmm. I mean, this is my everyday experience. Mm hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're, by the way, we're, we're near the end. You only got a couple years left. <laughs> um, but God has this. What doesn't mean anything? But you just removed yourself again by offloading it to God. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, God has, God has a reason for everything.
0: Yeah. Yes, I kind of hate that can, one. Yeah, I hate that one. God has uh, a reason for everything.
1: Yes. I mean, especially when it comes to like prison, my son is my son is not the man he was when he was 18. Mm-hmm. He's now 41.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: God has redeemed his life. Oh, well. About 20 years ago, but he's got time to serve in an inhumane system. Mm-hmm. So I, now I'm worried about his soul surviving the time he's got to serve. Mm-hmm. So everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. The reason happened 20 years ago.
0: Yeah.
1: It's not enough. Yeah. It's not enough. I need. Mean, it's... it's that, to understand that this is twenty-year, 20-year 20 wait period of, of suffering, mm-hmm. you have to realize that's painful and that God doesn't make sense and this whole situation doesn't make sense and the prison reform system doesn't make sense, and that's uncomfortable.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I, and I understand why you want to give me a platitude, but I don't need it. You need it. I don't need
0: it. Well, and you said the other one, too, of, well, God, uh, you didn't say these exact words, but it was very similar. God's in control, you know, or God Uh, is sovereign. And that's, I think, a hard pill to swallow when somebody says that, because you almost feel as what you're going through then is punishment. Uh, I, I'm just right. going to give an example for my own life. Years ago, I had a miscarriage and that was Ooh. a very painful time in my life. And that was probably the number one phrase I heard was, well, God's in control. And I thought, well, then how come he couldn't control this? Or right. so this is God's will then that I go through this horrible pain, you know? And so it it wasn't helpful. And I think they were trying to be well-meaning. And helpful, but it only made things worse, and it made my feelings... Wor- I guess it made me feel worse than better. I mean, would you agree with that, that some of these things actually make you feel worse than they do better?
1: They do, which is then why you hide your pain, which is which is not also not the solution, because people are a part of our spiritual formation, and hiding our pain is not what God wishes for us, but stuff like that does, mm-hmm. because... You can't bear another person saying something so insensitive. Yeah. You can, cause it hurts. you hurt every day already. Yeah. yeah. You just can't bear another person. So when you find these these overcomers or these people you trust, I, I had them on a list. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just know who they are. I, when I meet them, even before I have another tragedy, they're on my list. Yeah. I, I'm like, I, I know I can trust you. I'm keeping you on a list. I can talk to you Mm -hmm.
0: now what can someone say because okay we know some of the phrases not to say but what Mm -hmm. do you say when someone just lost their husband in a car accident or just lost a baby what do you what do you say
1: i think i think it's most often just in your body language you know that you you're looking at me your body language says i'm not going to just run you know Maybe you interrupted my moment, and I'm going to sit here one bit longer with you. Mm-hmm. That means more to me than than something. Cause I know you're going to try to say something awkward because <laughs> at least you're trying, and it may be an awkward and maybe a fail. Mm-hmm. But if you are sitting with me and you've stopped that that fast pace you were in, and you just decided to to sit here with me mm-hmm. and look at me, maybe even you know just touch my hand or. Something that sometimes hugs can be a way to offload the pain too. you know, you just check it out. But when you just sit with me and you try to say something, even as if it's awkward, mm-hmm. I can hear that because I know you're sitting with me in it. Mm. Way different.
0: Okay. No, that's really good. And sometimes I think just affirming and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think just affirming that it is okay to feel the way you feel. Yes. Um, I just remember uh, someone just saying, you know what? I'm sorry. That sucks. And I don't like using that word, but just somebody hearing somebody say that affirmed that it's okay that I feel this way.
1: Because they're not making you try to fix it. Yeah. They're saying, right now, because you know, what, what comes with my voice, I don't know what's fixable about it. hmm. But right now, yeah, it is really hard and I am helpless in it. Yeah. So you see me in my helplessness, I already feel better. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Now, and I know somebody's thinking this because I think it all the time, not just the things that you say, but what can, what are some of the th- best things that you could do for someone? That is going through the pain because you said, you just said it a minute ago, we like to fix things. And I think that's a part of, you know, something that God has placed in us. There's just a time and a place to fix things. But we also, we're doers. We want to do something to help the other person. What do we do?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, you got to just take on this that. I'm not a one-time task.
0: Okay. I'm not a one-time task.
1: Yeah. This is going to take, this is going to take some time. And for some inconvenience for you, mm-hmm. um, so which means checking in on me is going to make your busy day a little bit uncomfortable. Right, or sad. Mm-hmm. because you're going to check in on me on a regular. You have, you have to feel awkward because mm-hmm. you're not going to know what to say again. Yeah, but checking in on me so that I feel seen again is is just is great.
0: And, and I think it, I, people are afraid to do that because they're so afraid that they're bugging you. Right. So are they're you telling that. me, bug me, like bug you? Like, is that what you're telling me? Yes. Bug me. Okay.
1: Yes, yes. Because I know, or I've seen enough, I mean, and maybe even when you, when you don't think of miscarriage, people hear it once, say something, and then they don't ask again, because it, they, the awkwardness is there. Mm-hmm. But, you, just, but it's not, you know, you're not a one-time task. This takes months to recover from, and the, the doubts in your head Lasts even longer, and if someone can check in and just give you words for those doubts and ask you about that, they're helping you heal. Mm-hmm. They're helping you put words to your situation. So maybe you can, one, not overshare because you don't need to overshare because someone is giving you that chance to share. Um, you don't need to, you know, say I'm, I'm joining a new small group and we're doing that, you know, the introduction of getting to know each other. I'm sudden, I don't need to share that I have two boys in prison in that introduction because I've got three other people in my life I can share that with.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that is not part of my identity that I need to share in a new small group, but it's, I've got you calling me to say, oh yeah, I see who you are so I can be the, the rest of my life. These are who I am for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another thing you can do is checking in on me is maybe helping me try to do something new in my life Mm -hmm. because sometimes when i'm in a dark tunnel and scientifically emotions are tunnels we have to go through all the emotional tunnel to get to the other side Mm -hmm. but we can get stuck in those tunnels get stuck inside our brains stuck inside our doubts and our self-hatred and our you know trust issues with God, But if you can help me to do something new with my life, whether it's, you know, meet me for a daily walk, as much as that might inconvenience your day a little bit, but just to get me walking or trying some kind of new, maybe we make some kind of new cookie recipe together, something something new while I'm in that dark tunnel, mm-hmm. that actually helps process me and move me forward.
0: Hmm. And even maybe... Just inviting you out. Hey, we're going out for coffee. Do you want to come? I mean, are those things? Is that something that you would want?
1: Yes, it would. It would depend on who the other people are. Mm-hmm. But also, because um, I'm already, I'm already feeling, you know, the dark tunnel where I'm lying to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but because you asked me, I'm already going to say, I think I can do this. Okay. If there are the other people in the in the you know are, are people I, I can maybe trust, or you you're saying these are good people, I will trust you to get me out because I know I need to get out. I know I need to just talk about normal life again.
2: Yeah.
1: I, I know I need to. I don't need to have a normal conversation. I mean, that's such a gift too, by the way. Why well, I don't need to talk about prison every day. I can just have a normal human conversation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That is a gift. And, and th- so, yes, that, that works if I trust you.
0: And I think, too, going back to the not wanting to bug, you just kind of have to get over that awkwardness of you may feel like you're bugging that person if you ask them to go out, but it's their choice to say yes or no. So just do it anyway. Bug them anyway, even if you right. you feel like it.
1: And sometimes even putting on clothes that match, mm-hmm. there's a whole lot of good. And when you go to coffee, you want to, you know, at least you're going to put on a little makeup and, and outfit. Right. that. Right,
0: make make yourself we, feel a little human.
1: Yes, And that really helps.
0: I remember one time, sometimes, let me back up a little bit. I think sometimes I if I've gone through a hard time, I've just needed someone to take control, not necessarily push themselves on me, but going back to the miscarriage, Uh, The day that it happened, I was working for a church and it was happening at the church. And when I finally got home, the youth pastor's wife gave us a call and just said, we are delivering dinner right now because that's the last thing Rachel needs to worry about is dinner. And honestly, if they would have called me and asked me, do you want us to bring you dinner? I would have said no, because I didn't want to have anybody go out of their way for me. But they kind of forced themselves on us and I liked that because it's like, no, this is yes. what we're doing for you tonight and it was just dropping off dinner, we're done. And that was good.
1: It was good. Right. And that person is someone you're gonna you think fondly of for the rest of your life. Yes. Yes. Yeah. What a brave soul and I want those people in my life. They're on my list.
0: Yeah. Now let's go back to praying. Obviously, when someone's trying to tell you their story, the last thing you want to hear or that you should be telling them is, well, I'll pray for you and then that's it. However, there does need to be that time that you are praying for them. I think because when a person is going through tragedy, it's so hard and hurtful that they almost can't pray themselves. It's almost as if they're too weak to pray. And and is that kind of relieving the responsibility of prayer from that? I mean, obviously we should all pray and try to, but sometimes it's you're just in so much pain you can't. Do you feel that as though it is relieving that person that's going through the tragedy, relieving them of that responsibility?
1: This is one of the greatest gifts you can give me. Mm -hmm. And this is what I've learned the most, because I've I've got this long-term situation going on, is that before I'm, I'm bedridden with hopelessness. I ask people to pray so I don't have to pray. Okay. Because for me, when a situation's hopeless and I start praying about it, my mind spirals. Mm-hmm. You know, God, what are you? God, can't you fix this? Can't my son be the exception in the situation? You know, I, I, I spiral and the hopelessness comes because I am praying.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I have learned. Early in this process, that I have got people on my list, and I just ask them to pray for the situation because I know, as a Christian, I need to do my duty to pray, but I can't.
2: Yeah,
1: because it causes me to spiral. And when I have this list of people, and I just say, "This is going on, and I'm not the one to pray for it. Can you pray for it?" I feel release of that Christian responsibility. Mm-hmm. I feel like it is being handed over to God. And these people are on my list, they're trustworthy, and they're doing it. And I don't, I find myself stopping the spiral.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I like how you said you have a list. What was that? I like how you said you have a list. Of people that you trust, that you automatically know these are the people that I want to go to. And I think more people need to create that list for themselves (laughs) to make sure they have those people backing them up. Tell me one specific story that sticks out in your mind of someone that was compassionate with you, that was the friend that you talk about
1: in your book. There's one specific friend that goes back to 1990. And this is, this is before the boys, this is just, it was just a very hard, painful moment as a woman in ministry. And this, is, this, this moment, I look back now and I'm like, ha, ha, ha. But at this moment, it's probably the closest I ever came to leaving my faith. I was just mm. that brokenhearted, um, you know, hurt by the church, hurt by men in the church. And I was just, I was just lost. And I had a friend who wasn't my friend before, but she just came alongside me
2: mm-hmm.
1: and heard all the ugly, and he didn't want to, you know, talk ugly about the church that she was in, but she just was there. She kind of wore me down so I knew I could trust her. Mm-hmm. And for a year and a half, she, she carried me. I mean... This is, where, this is where it comes from. She, she carried me, and I was out of work at that time, so she, we went out to dinner every weekend, and I was on her credit card, and I know she had a credit card debt that she shouldn't have had, but we got out, we got to talk, and I was like a human being going out to, up to restaurants when I was really broke, and she just got me on my feet. But a year and a half later, all of a sudden, she's out of my life. Mm. I mean... I she just threw some accusations at I me mean, that didn't make sense, and one day she was gone,
2: hmm.
1: and I was abandoned. But it was a year and a half later. I was a much stronger person. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, some of these people that kill me are temporary, but the legacy is what she gave me then prepared me for what God had in store for me later. Yeah. And I well, I am forever grateful for her. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean I was hurt in that season, but again I was just such a much better place that it really didn't devastate me. I mean it there's a lot of questions. But I was already back in my life, back in another church, back seeing God close to me again because of her. Mm-hmm. And I am I'm more grateful for that and for the, the debt she accrues than anything else, I mean, any abandonment. I am so grateful for what she taught me.
0: Mm -hmm. The book is called I Wish I Could Take Away Your Pain, How to Be That Compassionate Friend. Uh, Like I said earlier, I wish there were more books like this because so many of us, Just don't know what to do. We don't know what to say when a friend or a church member is going through a really tragic time. You even include a card in the book that you can write to a friend. And I think cards do speak volumes, uh, especially maybe years later after the death of a child. If you send a card that says, I'm thinking about you, because everybody else forgets that that child passed away. But as a parent, you never forget that that Mother. child passed away. And so I, I like the fact that you have that card in there, that you, you could do something creative like that. Where can I uh, purchase this
1: book? If, uh, to get the card, you got to purchase it through my website. Okay, and that I'll is, put a
0: link in the show notes for that.
1: Great. dot com. Brave, this is where I write the story about my boys and I, um, and I write the parents of teens, 'Cause yeah I work with teens
0: yeah, too. I noticed that you do um, have a lot of articles on your website uh, to help parents but then also like dating advice and for someone who's worked with teenagers for over 40 years, I think you definitely have some wisdom that you could <laughs> drop on some parents and teenagers <laughs> for sure. You're also on Facebook, you're on Instagram bravester.com uh, anything yeah. else that you would like to any last words that you would like to share with us, Brenda?
1: Oh oh boy. Take on the awkward for your friend. Okay. It it is such a gift. I know it puts you in a vulnerable, painful, your your days disturbed position. Like I said, with my friend who's no longer my friend, has have been my friend since nineteen ninety one. Um, you're creating a legacy. Yeah. By embracing that, and it is such it is such a gift.
0: Yeah. Thank you for those words of wisdom, and I really appreciate you just being vulnerable today and sharing your story, and I will make sure that I have all of those resources in the show notes. Again, be that good friend, be a good listener, and you don't have to try and fix anything. Just be there, and like you, yes. and like Brenda said, leave that legacy. Thank you so much for joining me today, Brenda.
1: Thank you for this opportunity, Rachel.
0: Thank you once again for joining Brenda and I on that insightful conversation. If you are walking someone through tragedy today, allow yourself to be uncomfortable and take on some of the awkwardness. You may just leave a lasting legacy. Don't forget to download, share, and subscribe. And remember, you were created unique on purpose. You are loved. And because of Christ, you have been made worthy. I'll see you right back here next week.